Today on Sagittarian Matters, Chaga Chinos, Camp Lost Boys, Amateur Cadaver Dogs, Constructive Criticism, and your trans relationship advice questions answered with my guest, Rocco Kayatis. Stay tuned. Rocco Coyotis is the co-founder of Original Plumbing Magazine. He has worked making viral videos for BuzzFeed and Grindr, and currently he is working on Camp Lost Boys, a summer camp created by and for men of trans experience. You can find out more about Rocco's camp at camplostboys.org, or check out some of his videos at roccocoyotis.com. Now please enjoy my talk with Rocco Coyotis. Rocco Kayatos. Nicole Georges. Welcome back. It's been so long. To Sagittarius Matters. <laughs> Will you remind people your sign? I'm a Libra, Sag rising, um, Aquarius, Pisces, cusp, moon. I didn't know you were Sag rising. Oh, yeah. Everything makes so much more sense now. Yeah. I'm all air and fire. Interesting. Interesting. Um, we're here with producer Ponyo wearing a cone doing the levels. Conyo. Cone, produ- producer Conyo. And uh, first things first... We both just had Chaga Chinos from Alfred Coffee. Uh, can you tell me how you felt about that? And what was the price point on this? <laughs> <laughs> well, the price point um, is impacting my feelings about it. So it was pretty good. Uh, it was really delicious. I don't usually, if I drink a caffeinated beverage, I tend to not put sugar or uh, sweetener in it. And this had some sort of sweetener in it. So What else was in it? Cinnamon. Shaga mushroom, a shot of espresso, and some almond milk. And a little bit of chocolate, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was delicious. It didn't, it tasted like a dessert. How much? With tip, I tipped a dollar. So it was eight seventy five. Yeah, seven seventy five for a 16 ounce of this with an alternative milk. I wouldn't get it. it 12 was, ounce. Yours was 12 ounce? Mine was yeah. 16 ounce. That thing yeah, is that sixteen? Oh. Welcome yes. to LA. I just want to say something to you about Alfred Coffee, which is I've had their avocado toast thrice. <laughs> Hate it once, shame on you. Hate it twice, shame on me. Hate it three times. I don't know. The Never s- again. The second time I got it, I was wearing a shirt that said um, "Men have made a lot of bad art." And so I got really bad customer service from the man behind the counter at Alfred Coffee. And I just chalked my bad toast up to that, to the fact that I was wearing a shirt. Where can one get that shirt? Unsure. Uh, Listener Candy sent it to me. But if you Google it, you can find it. Men have made a lot of bad art. I get really bad customer service from men whenever I'm wearing that shirt. And I'm always baffled why they're being so rude to me. And then I'm like, oh, I see now. Men should be less sensitive. Men need to toughen up a little bit. <laughs> Rocco. Man up. Man up. <laughs> but they don't toast their toast enough. It's just like warm bread. Mm. Today I thought I could fix it. I was like, I'm going to ask for it extra toasted with extra olive oil. No. Save your $8. Never again? That, not unless it's really hard times. What would, what would constitute hard times to get uh, an overpriced, overpriced uh, avocado toast that you find to be mediocre and slightly enraging? 
you know, kind of like today where it was like, I wanted to meet you for coffee. I know I'd be hungry after aerobics. So I was just there. My only other option was like a cupcake from the place next door. So I just went for it. Got it. That's it. Rocco, we're going to talk about more serious issues. Okay. We have an advice question that somebody sent you. And then we have an advice question that somebody sent me. Yeah, so sometimes randomly people will DM me advice questions um, out of nowhere too because I don't really have a ton of social media presence anymore. So I'm always a little shocked that people want my opinion. Um, Flattered too. So someone asked uh, this. I'm in a committed relationship and prior to this, I wanted to transition to male, but my fiance likes me better as a female. I love all my masculinity, but she loves everything that makes me feminine. And I know the talk of me being more masculine to make myself feel better makes her uncomfortable. I really want top surgery and I already dress the gender I feel, but I also don't want to upset her. What do I do? Okay. I am not trans. I'm just going to say that now. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you I'm not the expert on this question. But I will say as somebody who has dated people, kind of uh, people that were both cisgendered and pleased with it and trans, I I don't understand the impulse to try and keep somebody in a gender or a body that they're not happy in. What is the point of dating them if they aren't free to live their best life? If you're like, no, I want you to live a smaller life that serves me so that I can preserve my lesbian identity or whatever. Like your lesbian identity to me is not as important as somebody, I don't know, not wanting to fucking kill themselves. That's, that's my opinion as a dater. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, for me at this point in my life, Listen, I think as a trans person, there have been stages of my life where I was less secure in who I was and I felt a scarcity of love. So I felt like uh, I wouldn't necessarily, I would never forgo. There's a level of sacrifice that happens when you transition. And I think one of the most radical and incredible things about being trans is that trans people must self-actualize above all else. And I think that most people don't have to kind of face that head on in the way that trans or trans non-binary people do because you're forced to make potential sacrifice, sacrifice your safety, your home, your well-being, your family, your community to make sure that you get to comfortably be yourself, right? And I don't think that the majority of people in life have have to do that. And so I think that that's kind of like one of the gifts 20 years later, I say, 20 years after I've transitioned, that that feels like a gift to me because now I realize as I get closer to 40 and get closer to the 20-year mark, which is like half my life I've been dealing with being trans, um, I have this perspective that like that's really empowering because nothing else I do is going to be as scary as it was to transition. Um, So there's that scarcity, right, of someone feeling like I should just stay this way so I make sure I have love because at least I have external love and who knows what's going to happen if I transition. So many variables, so many unforeseen things. Um, That said, I think from the other side, I do understand that that kind of fear of the unknown could potentially um, interrupt someone's ability to be supportive of their partner and their partner's desire to make 
an enormous change in their life. But come on, man. (laughs) Um, Even asking the question at this point in my life too, I was just like, what are you kidding? When I got that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then I thought, be gentle, approach this person with care because that's vulnerable asking a stranger that kind of question. So I just said, honor yourself above all else. There'll be others that love you for who you are and not what they want you to be. And I think that's the the overall mention or the overall uh, piece to take away is like, if you can't be loving and supportive unconditionally of the person that you're in a loving and supportive relationship with, then that's not a good relationship for you. So if you feel like your transition is not as important as finding external validation, that's going to be a really rough ride in general, I think. Um, yeah. And how much of this kind of decision-making on both sides is rooted in fear? You know, like the person dating him is probably, you know, they're probably fearful. Like, what's going to happen when you transition? Or what's going to happen to your body after you get top surgery or whatever? That's just fear. Mm-hmm. That's not actually the person you're loving changing emotionally in any way. And those aren't even actually things that are happening today. They might cross that road and decide, oh, I didn't know that I liked you mm-hmm. this other way too. Mm-hmm. But I do. So it's, you know, they could give that person a chance. Yeah. And also that's just information. So that person saying like, I love everything that makes you feminine to a person who is trans masculine identified um, is good information because then that's not the right relationship for you. Yeah. So the person expressing that doesn't mean that then you should change who you are. It just means like, oh, wow, we have to take a hard look at this relationship. This might not be right for us because I'm a man or I'm masculine of center identified and you keeping me well that person who knows what their person's relationship is keeping them in you know what i'm saying yeah and also i think things get to be a conversation yeah you know like you and i are friends i get to state a need and just Mm -hmm. because i said a need out loud doesn't mean you need to acquiesce to that need because i said it you get to talk back yeah i think that you know in in the queer community it's we all have boundary issues which you and I have discussed on this very podcast before, um, which is, you know, a topic that comes up on a lot of podcast episodes here on Sagittarian Matters. And I think it's important because the queer community and marginalized communities in general have um, scarcity and boundary issues. And sometimes someone stating a need can feel, or a difference of opinion or desire can feel personally threatening. But again, it's sort of like, just look inward and figure out why. Why is that setting things off for you? What is making you feel charged around that? And how do you make a decision around getting information from someone else to best move forward individually? It's hard for us. Today's episode is brought to you by Elizabeth Storms, Tony Pinto, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, and Christy Herod. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 trillion, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too.
Don't be scared. That's Ponyo's voice. Before we get to our next advice question, let us talk about two things going on in your life. One is that OP is closing, closing up business, your magazine, Original Plumbing Magazine, and also you're putting out a book. Yeah, the book comes out later this month um, in indie bookstores and then larger release in June. Um, Larger meaning like Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, etc. And then we're going on a small, like, four or five stop book tour. So we'll be in LA March 24th at Skylight Books at 7.30. And March then, 24th, May 24th. Sorry, May. Whoops. Yeah, May. we'll be at um, Skylight Books in Los Angeles on May 24th at 7.30 for our kickoff. Um, and me and Amos will be in conversation with Michelle T and a couple of contributors. Oh, all friends of the podcast. Nice. Yeah. And then May 31st, we'll be in San Francisco at Green Apple. And then June 2nd, we'll be at Powell's in Portland, which has a bunch of listeners on, on here, right? A bunch of your listeners are We're all from, yeah. Uh, what, is, what was your favorite issue of OP? Oh, easy for me. Um, the hero issue. I feel like that we built to a point um, where I felt like that would be a good, good, we had built enough of an audience that I felt like it was time for people to kind of get a history lesson. So there's a ton of historical moments and figures inside that issue. Did you have a favorite person? Uh, Yeah. Easy for me. Again, Jameson Green. Jameson Green is the first trans man whose book I read uh, before I transitioned or early in transition. Becoming Becoming a Visible Man is what his book is called. And it's just about to be re-released on Vanderbilt Press. And I believe that it's the second most popular book that that press has ever released. Is it like a memoir or how to or what? It's a memoir. It's just him talking about his early stages of transitioning in a time where it was far more difficult to transition, which was the late 80s, early 90s. And segueing, Jameson Green was just a guest Mm -hmm. at an event that you host called Camp Lost Boys. Can you tell people what that is? Yeah. So Camp Lost Boys is a camp created for men of trans experience by men of trans experience. And then we have all these incredible facility, incredible facilitators come to lead chats, uh, not really give workshops and not really like teach people, but just hold space for a chat, except for Jameson Green. He does this kind of kickoff um, oral history around a fire pit of what it was like for trans male, uh, the trans male, trans man movement and how he kind of helped create that. So it's a history that's contained nowhere besides between his ears. And it's really incredible to sit around a campfire with a hundred men hearing this oral history. And Camp Lost Boys is basically a separatist space, um, with the goal of providing a retreat for trans men that's more of a traditional summer camp. So there's activities like archery and high ropes, volleyball. Volleyball was the highlight for me. Were you playing volleyball? I played volleyball all weekend and I hadn't played volleyball since like, since I was 13. Um, And I think that there's something really incredible about just playing like a kid in this way that's complete freedom. And, you know, being a trans person, sometimes you don't even realize the insidious ways that you're uncomfortable in your body or like self-conscious around your transness in certain circles. So having your shirt off, which most everyone takes their shirt off at this camp because that's what trans men do, um, taking your shirt off and playing in this unself-conscious way 
is so liberating and you don't even realize it until you have like a moment of downtime to process what this camp means. Uh, the pool party, a hundred trans dudes in a pool is really amazing. Um, the camp staff is always cool too. Like they don't, they don't care. They just are supportive of this community and it's this little mountain town. So yeah. Is it at the same place every time? No, we've used a couple different locations. This one was at, uh, right outside of big bear. And the next one is coming up for Labor Day weekend in Colorado. Oh. Tickets are on sale now. How can people get in on this? Yeah. Uh, visit camplostboys.org for more information. And if you're listening and you're a trans man or you're a person who has a trans man in your life, we're specifically hoping to attract more men who are not on social media, have a harder time connecting with a community, um, have been stealth for a long time are maybe at the beginning phases of their transition and feel exhausted by being misgendered um, because one of the greatest parts of this being a trans male exclusive event is no one will ask this person what their gender uh, identity is and no one will misgender them and no one will ask them what their gender pronouns are. They just get to be a man regardless of where they're at with their transition. So they might be exhausted by being read as female or being questioned around their gender identity in their daily life. But at this camp, they get four days, three nights of no one saying anything except addressing them as male. I love it. They love it too. What's your favorite part about camp? Man, it's hard to pick, but I think that it's just really powerful to be in a space where we get to have these conversations that don't happen anywhere else. Uh, and simultaneously having these like heavy kind of conversations that really feed and fuel me for the rest of the year and getting this like physical activity, playing team sports. It's really something that a lot of trans people have to move away from when puberty sets in and getting to be with a bunch of dudes who are like also not great at sports. Some are, but you know, nobody cares. There's no, it's completely judgment free. There's no judgment at this camp. There's no infighting. There's no like regular kind of queer community attacking each other, holding each other, quote unquote, holding each other accountable under the guise of just coming after someone. Everyone is really there with the primary function of having fun, feeling free and truly building community. I love it. Okay, listeners, tell your friends, camplastboys.org. Oh, .org, and I'll give you a discount code, CLB FRIEND, all caps, gives you $25 off. Oh my God, those are huge savings. Are there horses? Yes, there's horses at this next camp. Oh my God. There's horses, there's a pool party the entire time, professional archery, hiking, you know, everything one, one could want. Cadaver dogs? I was listening to a podcast where this woman had amateur cadaver dogs. And I was like, what do you mean amateur? I was like, what? <laughs> like she was like buying bought pieces of body parts on the internet and then hiding them for her dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we got ropes. We got volleyball. We got cadaver dogs. We got horses. <laughs> we, but with an asterisk at the bottom that says like amateur cadaver dogs. <laughs> we got truffle pigs. We got everything. <laughs> oh my God, I wish. There's a corgi at this next camp named Brad. We got Brad the Corgi up in the mix. (laughs) Hi, Nicole and guests. My question is about my relationship with my partner. We've been together for over a decade, and recently she has started a gender transition from male to female. And as a friend, I couldn't possibly be more supportive. As a co-parent, I couldn't be more supportive. 
as a sexual and romantic partner, I am struggling. I have been in relationships with women in the past. I've never been in a relationship with a trans woman. Um, when I look at my partner in her femme persona with her dresses and her makeup on, I think objectively she looks super cute, but I don't feel like sexually attracted to her. In the past, the types of women I've been attracted to have been a lot more butch or kind of like non-binary presenting, and my partner's femme presentation is very feminine, um, which is not something that is personally appealing to me. And we're struggling. She doesn't understand why her transition is a big deal to me because I've been in relationships with women in the past. I can't believe that she doesn't think it is a big deal. And we're at an impasse, and I don't know how to proceed. Please help. Thank you. Bye. Um, Therapy and couples counseling is always going to be my first suggestion especially around something enormous like this. They've been together for over a decade. There's a kid involved, so there's more than just their lives that are intertwined. Um, This is going to be challenging for both of them individually, so I also encourage both of them to get their own individual therapists. Um, If I were in this situation, I would talk about what the evolution of their relationship could look like, meaning do they want to continue to be romantically but not sexually involved with each other um if that's on the table creating healthy boundaries about what it would look like to get your sexual needs met outside of your relationship um while continuing to support each other as family Mm -hmm. because 10 plus years you're each other's family yeah um and so what does that look like Step by step, I wouldn't future trip too much because there's too many variables to even be able to predict what anything looks like. But if you know right now that you're not attracted to your partner in her femme form, that's important. And you can honor that for yourself and have a really delicate, kind, and compassionate conversation around what that means for your relationship and what that means for your own individual happiness with the primary goal of both feeling good and supporting each other and maintaining your familial intimate connection to one another yeah and also i mean it's possible if you were both getting your sexual needs met elsewhere while still maintaining your family that your partner too like she could try out things that she's never been able to try out before oh yeah i mean there's probably a lot of exploration that she's a little bit excited to do Above and beyond your primary relationship. Absolutely. I remember I transitioned in a a long-term relationship and I was in that relationship for about a year and a half when I began my transition and the relationship spanned just about nine years, um, give or take. And in that relationship, as I transitioned, I thought, oh my God, what if I'm gay and I don't know because I'm in a committed um, monogamous relationship with a woman and I've never been a man in who's been single dating what is it like to date you know a straight woman as a man uh what is it like because i was with a queer woman what is it like to go on a date with a man as a man like i all these things 
popped in and I obsessed over and it would have been cool to have that kind of freedom to experiment um, in my relationship. So I think that it could, that could be something that turns out to be really positive for both of you. Challenging, but a transition like this is never going to be anything but an enormous challenge. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of them still remaining best friends, romantic allies, co-parents, while taking the pressure of being each other's only sexual outlet off the table. Mm-hmm. So that that's our super complicated advice for your... That's our like oversimplified slash super complicated advice for your very particular situation. Yeah. Be gentle with yourselves and each other and make sure that you have support systems to take all of this to that are not only each other. Uh, because sorting through all of this is messy and um, challenging and requires uh, support outside of the relationship. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Do you have anything else to talk about? Have you eaten anything good lately? Oh, man. I've been encountering the Impossible Burger more and more in the wild. And what do you think? It's fine. Oh, you're not crazy about it. I don't care. care. Umami Burger has... Oh, I have something to talk about. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Ponyo. (laughs) That just made the levels peak and Ponyo got crazy. (laughs) Producer Ponyo got crazy. Um... Beyond Meat just went public. Are you invested in Beyond Meat? I was going to invest, and I'm not a stock investor because I do not understand investing, but I knew that when Beyond Meat went public for the past two or three years, I've I've been saying, I want to buy stock in this company because this is the future. And then I talked to a friend who is uh, more wise about stock investment, and they advised me to not invest. They went public five days ago. That stock has doubled <gasps> in the past five days. Why did your friend tell you not to do it? Because they're a meat eater? She thought that it was too risk adverse and that if I wasn't, if it was the only stock in my portfolio, that it wouldn't be a good thing for me to invest in. They and have- so they, they started at $40. It started at $40. And today it's, yesterday it was $79. This morning it's uh, $81. So what are you going to do? Nothing. It's too late. I don't care. I realize that I don't care. I'm not going to play the stock market in this lifetime. I see. I see. What about you? What? Food? Stock market. I don't know anything about stock market. Okay. But my point is there is that Beyond Meat is now available in every Carl's Jr. and Hardee's across America. I thought Impossible was it? No. At Hardee's. No. Carl's Jr. I stopped at a Carl's Jr. on the way home from a road trip and I felt so human eating garbage food just like any other did American. Did you get the Beyond Burger? Yeah, I did. It's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. It I- tastes like a fast food burger. Yeah. Um, also at Del Taco, which is, I believe, in the Southwest and Southern California, Beyond Beef Crumbles are available for all of their meal, taco, burrito, whatever. Yeah. So. It's that's why it's a wise stock investment because it's taking over and meat eaters now have an option. And I think that as we become more and more advised about what small parts we can take in helping the environment and keeping the world around without 
um, impacting our lives greatly that more and more people will turn to at least part-time vegetarianism, Mm -hmm. hopefully. Um, But the Impossible Burger, Umami Burger here in Los Angeles, I don't know where else it is, they offer something called the Truffle Maker. And if you're a fan of truffles, they make a vegan truffle fondue that they put as a sauce on top of this thing. It is so good. It was the best burger I've ever had in my life. I have to say, a lot of foods you've had are the best food you've ever had in your life. You're enjoying to superlatives. I love things so much, or I hate them, and nothing in between. You enjoy food. You enjoy each day of your life so much. It's the only day. It's very dog-like. It's very mm-hmm. like when Ponyo's like, cool. this is the best food I ever had. Yeah, and it's the same meal over and over again. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> Rocco, how are you keeping a level head during these harsh times, uh, reading the news, being in the world? I give myself two days off, randomly selected, from absorbing news or information. I think that it's really important. I have like a rigorous self-care process in place. And these camps have really kind of buoyed me in a major way, which Mm -hmm. is why I feel like it's important for my own mental health and sanity to do it more than once a year. Because then I understand that there's these tentpole events in my life where I'll get recharged and refreshed. And I've been having a particularly difficult time with the climate at my job right now and how it makes me feel around... (laughs) She understands. Yeah. Um, how it's been making me feel about being a trans person. So going to that camp, looking at 110 other beautiful faces of people who are really moved and affected made me remember how beautiful this experience of being trans is. And I think, you know, that and um, being more selective about who my community is and really thinking about what that word means has been core the past couple of years under the Trump administration. Who have you decided is your community? Uh, The larger community is a concept and that is not real. So Mm. this idea of community is really almost, I I don't want to be grandiose, but it feels almost cruel to have that word attached to the meaning that it has um, in the queer sense. Uh, Almost like the word justice, like those things don't actually exist in reality. So intentional community does though. So I think like my friends and family, who who's going to show up for me if I end up in the hospital? That's my community. I would go. I know. And that's my community. I might have a hard time asking or inviting people, but that's the second step for me. Um, but I think like having that information of like, how would this person actually show up if I needed something in a, a moment of crisis? That's community. And it has nothing to do with one small facet of your identity. So saying trans community, I don't know what that means. The trans community that I've that I've experienced um, up until this camp has been some of the cruelest interactions I've ever had have been from the quote unquote trans community calling me out or t- taking me to task for something um, without knowing me. And I think that the community that I'm getting from this camp is so vital in this moment where Trump has decided to use trans people as a scapegoat for so many things or a distraction um, and systematically removing rights from us and uh, dehumanizing the trans experience, having 
this place where I'm meeting these other men and connecting with them and continuing to stay connected has been totally transformative. Even like 20 years into transition, it's like the first time I've ever experienced real community in the trans sense of community. Can I ask you a question? Please. If you're doing something for the community that's public facing and somebody is like, ooh, that thing you said was problematic in this way or that way, in my opinion, what do you think is a way that they could have that conversation with you that is not mm. like what you were talking about? That does not feel like an attack or like a public taking to task or tearing down of work that one is doing? A call out versus call in culture. Yeah. Right. Um, I think. Uh, See if someone will have a conversation with you. If they're open to having a conversation with you, have that conversation privately and then allow them to correct. Um, I don't think that it's really helpful to, you know, even under the guise of like holding someone accountable, I think that uh, accountability works on both sides. You have to also think about how that's going to impact someone if you decide to post something randomly on social media without a person realizing that what they've said or done is problematic, then I think that a better, what might garner better results and, and, and the desired outcome, if the desired outcome is truly change, is having a private conversation with someone, um, asking for what you need and seeing if the person acquiesces and changes. Um, people have done that too in the past. Somebody uh, wrote a private message to me not long ago about how they felt excluded from the camp because they're non-binary. Then we had this really lovely conversation about um, simultaneously someone was calling us out in the comment section of being like, they hate non-binary people. And then it was this whole comment thread and someone else approaching it in that way of asking like why saying that how they felt and then allowing me the opportunity to hold space for their feelings, talk to them about why this space was important and explain the importance of like separate space and what we were doing in our primary mission mm -hmm. gave them the opportunity and me the opportunity to have a productive conversation as opposed mm -hmm. to um, feeling shitty that people are making comments and not really and another person. Oh, here's another great example using camp. Cause that's my primary thing right now for community based thing right now. Um, someone said, if this camp is really for this community, it should cost less money. Private message. And I said, totally hear your concerns. We're working on figuring out how to get external funding so we can offset the cost and continue to keep it at a price point that reflects the community's access. Um, and then I said, just out of curiosity, how much would you be able to pay? Um, so I could kind of keep that in mind and maybe help them with the scholarship or whatever. I'm really looking to work to change. And then they never replied. Yeah. Which to me was like, oh, you didn't actually want to have a conversation. You just wanted to call me out and make me feel bad for not getting something exactly 100% right for you precisely. Yeah. And that tends to be kind of it. But I think the best way to approach these things is like give a person the benefit of the doubt, have a private conversation, see what shakes out. And then if the person responds or doesn't respond, you see that they keep you on red and they don't respond, fuck them. Yeah. And or if they... You should have sex with them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if they respond in a way that's harmful, then, you know, fuck them. Fuck yep. the whole situation. Blast then go crazy. Yeah. Then then do what you want to do. Yeah. But make the first one more personal reach out. If you're truly wanting to shape change. 
But I think that the internet is mostly built for people who just want to call other people out for not getting it 100% right all the time and doing everything for everyone always. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. What about you? What are your thoughts? I have the same... I think I have the same kind of philosophy towards Yelp. Like if a company has done something that I think sucks, I feel like it's since I, I probably went there in the first place, I thought that seemed like a cool place to support mm-hmm. with my money. And so I don't, I don't need to be the person I'm a random consumer. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be the person that tears them down mm-hmm. or keeps business. At least it's people's livelihoods. I mean, it's the same thing I feel about rating Uber and Lyft drivers or whatever. Mm. Like, this is somebody's livelihood. This is somebody's job. This mm. is somebody's, the way that they feed their children. Like, they're allowed to have a bad day without me, who has more of a platform than them for whatever reason, maybe privilege, like getting on my my box to be like, they suck, they suck, they're terrible, they're terrible. Um, and so if a company does something, you know, like, like for Alfred Coffee. Alfred Coffee, <laughs> you know, like their toast sucked. And I told the guy, I was like, here's all my problems with this toast. Here's how I'm, he's like, okay, here's how to order it next time. Mm. Great. Did it. Didn't work out for me. Am I going to go right? I did a podcast about it. Not that many people are going to listen that actually live in LA and are going to be like, should I get the avocado toast there? But I mean, like I, I would rather write to a company personally and be like, hey, I was really disappointed mm. with this or this before I get on a soapbox and start yelling to the world, like, mm. pay attention to me. I had a bad experience. Mm. Stop supporting them. Stop giving them money. Same thing with an Uber or Lyft driver. Like, someone needs to be pretty, pretty baddie oh, yeah. for me to be like, I think I'm going to put this person's livelihood in danger because they were wearing Axe body spray. You know what? Every person who drives an Uber or Lyft wears fucking Axe body spray or has a, a black ice uh, t- tree hanging from their mirror. That's just what happens. It's going to give you a migraine. It is. You're going to try to open the windows. You are. But that doesn't mean that that person needs to have their livelihood shook up by me, a person who's privileged enough to pay mm. to get a ride somewhere mm-hmm. by a driver. Fair. Yeah. Well put. So what do you do to take care of yourself in these tough times? In these tough times? I mean, I do have to decide if the news is bumming me out too much, just like checking Twitter less, sleeping with my phone somewhere else besides mm-hmm. next to my bed. I turn my message notifications off mm. um, often until the evening time so that I'm not letting other people's texts sway my day or what I'm doing. Um, How do you do that? I'll show you. The notif- you can, a notif- notifications, you can turn your no- message notifications off so you don't even see on your home screen if you've received any texts. You have to actually go into the text app to see. That's next nice level. I love it. That's really helpful for me because it's easy for me to get distracted by the news, by Twitter, by Instagram, by DMs, by whatever. I just, um, I didn't unfollow, but I just stopped. Uh, I just muted the person who I hate follow on Instagram <laughs> because it was just taking up. I just think like that my mental space is valuable and important. And there's certainly fun things that you can follow that can get you riled. Like you can be like, the president's so fucking stupid. Or like, mm. this person on Instagram so fucking stupid. Mm. Like, I'm going to laugh at them all day long or I'm going to get really amped up. But like, that's not actually serving my life's purpose, mm. which is to make art, serve my community, help animals. 
Yeah. Uh, that's not serving my life's purpose. So I try to do things that do serve my life's purpose and make me feel more alive. That's There's- nice. That's a perfect, like, that's perfect, a uh, perfect takeaway for this entire conversation is like, what is your life's purpose? And it doesn't have to be like, what, do, what is your job? What is your career? No. Because I think people get tripped up sometimes thinking like, I don't know. And yeah. I still don't know. I have no idea what my job or career is. I've had so many different jobs yeah. and careers. But, but you have a clear purpose and path. I do. Yeah. I really understand what my purpose is. And, and so, and I don't think that you shouldn't have to think hard about what your purpose is. It should just be a thing that you're like, what do I love? I love people. I love animals. Those two things I want to drive to help my whole life is kind of focused around how do I help more queer and trans people, trans men specifically, and how do I uplift and support animals because they don't have a human voice. I Unless do. You I do. <laughs> <laughs> so are, is what you're doing supporting that? Yeah. Yeah. Also, while you're talking about it, I don't do social media anymore. So I feel fucking great about that. I used to devote... Um, so much time to managing social media accounts. And now I post maybe once a month Mm -hmm. and um, I feel great. I don't even like really look at social media anymore. And that's been super helpful to me. Rocco. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been nice, a nice return. I hope it happens again soon. Me too. And thank you for the offer code. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come to camp. It's incredible. Come to camp, dudes. Yeah. Come on, dudes. <laughs> Come play volleyball. Come use a truffle sniffing pig. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, what was it? Scott the Corgi. No, Brad, but what was a cadaver <laughs> um, dog, but not a professor? An amateur. amateur. <laughs> Come use an amateur cadaver dog. <laughs> then you too can be on a crime podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Rocco. Thank you. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. My whole life is kind of focused around how do I help more queer and trans people, trans men specifically, and how do I uplift and support animals because they don't have a human voice. I do.